Welcome to Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Aaron Gordon to my Evan Fournier. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? I wish I was as cool as Aaron Gordon. That dude always seems cool, except for in... What movie was he the the vil, uh, the Uncle Drew movie? Whatever that was. He was like the villain basketball player in that. He was not cool in that movie, but I don't know. He seems cool. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, if, if, that's your, if that's what you're going for, I would say all you need to do is grow about a foot um, and also get cool hair and smoke a good lot hair, of pot. Though. That dude, that dude enjoys I don't do that. Uh, but yeah. so you know, you could you could just go that route, and maybe I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe you'll be cool then. I I'm not I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just just giving you some life tips, Tobin. Um, we have a lot to talk about tonight. We didn't get to do an episode last week because you were selfishly on vacation, and uh, I think all eight of our listeners were very upset about that. And you should probably apologize to them personally, but if I think it makes you, you feel any and... better listeners. I would have rather been with y'all than the <laughs> vacation I was on. So just, just saying, <laughs> um, I think you should have to write a letter to each of them individually and apologize for being gone. Right, but, cool. uh, I'll take me 20 minutes. Get... <laughs> okay, good deal. We didn't get to do an episode last week, so we have a little bit to catch up on, but more than anything else, it's, it's trade season, baby. We are recording a day late so that we could, talk about everything that happens uh that happened excuse me during the nba trade deadline day and boy was there a lot to touch on so we will be doing that uh we also need to talk about some of the teams that did not make a trade or players that were not traded that we assumed would be traded looking at you kyle lowry and uh, maybe we'll get to some buyout candidates as well because it's about to be big time buyout season and maybe we're there's some speculation on some of those guys uh but before we do that before we get into all of this for trade season, we needed to bring in a guest, so let's welcome the Nikola Vucevic to my Evan Fournier, to your Aaron Gordon Tobin. It's our special guest co-host, Danny Weiser of the Rankings Podcast. Danny, what's up, man? Yo, I do. You guys don't know this because we've never met in person. I do look exactly like Nikola Vucevic. I am six eleven. So, fun fact. I do. You guys, yeah, that's what I've, I, I've heard. Yeah, you need a pickup guy for that's your the team. The rumor on your Wikipedia page. Yeah, I appreciate that you picked the shortest guy out of the three of us to be Nikola Vucevic. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need this from you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've never met you in person, but I just assume you're short. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, I could be listen, wrong. Listen, we don't have to talk. 5'10's average, okay? It's not short. It's average. Right, Get off right. me. Yeah. Look. <laughs> Yeah, as somebody who's just slightly shorter than 5'10", I would say even even like 5'9". Wow, so yeah, so suck it, Tobin. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Take Am that, I the dude. tallest... I'm the tallest person here. How tall do you think you are? I'm the tallest person tall you here. I you're am not 16. six feet tall. Yes, I am. Come on. Shut you're up. 38 never... years old. You're 36 years old. Stop lying about your height. I'm Come not on. lying about Come my on. height. I am six you feet. Are not three, like... You are not three inches taller than me. There's. You are not. I, uh, we, this we, is... need to check, we need to test this out okay. for the next episode. I'm bringing in freaking tape we... measure next time I see you. <laughs> I'll yeah, do it. We... I'm not kidding. I need it. Hey, I'm never the tallest guy in a group, so I'm just saying, like... <laughs> okay, I'm just saying you're 36. You can't lie about your you're and you're twice married. You can't lie about your age anymore. Uh, or excuse yeah, me, I'm your six height. feet in basketball lie, shoes. That's what it is. Like so. really <laughs> okay. thick, right. yeah. hefty, very pumped <laughs> yeah, up Reebok pump basketball yeah. shoes. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh my I also goodness. am six feet in those shoes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm six two even. Maybe like on a good day. Oh my goodness, what a liar! You're too old I'm, to lie about I'm your not, height. I'm not lying um, about my height. I'm telling you guys, like. 
I'm at worst five eleven. Like I, I so I'm if def- you're five eleven, then I then I'm gonna call the the DMV tomorrow and change my height on my driver's license because I've been underselling <laughs> yeah. it. Apparently, um, to- right, Tobin is searching his office for legal yeah, documentation. I'm, I'm, no, that I'm, says that he's I'm looking at my license right now. <laughs> okay, ridiculous. I put five eleven on my license. You're giving off yeah, real short guy energy right now, Tobin. Still, yes. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. This is nothing this proves is to ridiculous. me that you're under six feet and how fervently you're fighting to be considered six feet right no, now. I just, I'm just, I, I'm not Shoes fighting. off measurement. Yes. Okay. I'm just never um, the tallest guy in a group of people. I'm just saying, like, it's not about the, the height. I'm still taller than both of you, regardless you of my You're at best an inch taller than I am, and I'm 5'9. So just, man, I, this took a weird turn that I did not expect. Did not expect. Change the um, notes. We got to talk about this. <laughs> All right. If not next episode, then the episode after that, when we are all actually hanging out together at a movie theater post vaccines and everything. Hey, uh, isn't there a guy on TikTok that like checks people's heights based <laughs> off of their TikTok video? Like, maybe we need to find that guy. <laughs> okay, that would require me to make a yeah, TikTok. I was about to say though, you have so to I'm start not, making TikToks now, so I'm all for yeah. it. You go for it, bud. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. We have so much to talk about this episode. Uh, There are so many trades, and we need to get very serious about trade stuff. But before we do that, uh, we lost one of the the greats, one of the all-time great basketball players. I would say somewhere in the 12 to 20 range as far as the greatest basketball players of all time. Of course, his his time came long before our time. Uh, so we, I don't think any of us ever saw, unless, unless Danny, unless you're some sort of vampire and you, you were actually alive in the sixties and seventies. Um, I don't think any of us ever actually saw Elgin Baylor play, but he's one of the all time greats. Uh, and he passed away, unfortunately, uh, over the weekend felt like we needed to say, I think Elgin Baylor is one of those guys that is for people our age is like just one of those names, you know, like he just, he's somebody that, that played so long before we were born and it's so easy with guys who came before your time that when you hear, oh, this guy was awesome, you kind of like tune it out. You're like, okay, sure, whatever. Elgin Baylor for years for for me, and I think for probably for you guys as well, was just a guy who was the, the GM of the Clippers. And you just heard like, wow, what a great basketball player he was. And then you go and you look at his stats and it's like, holy crap, that dude averaged 25 points a game right out the gate. These are his scoring averages for the course of his his uh, career, guys. 24.9, point 29.6, 34.8, 38.3, 34.25.4, 27.1. Uh, he had a weird year, uh, 16.6, and then back up to 26, 26, 24.8, 24, and then finished out his his career. He was very injured, towards the, broken down towards the end of his career. And sort of a tragic figure in the basketball world because he never won a championship, and the year that he retired the Lakers finally broke through and won the championship. And so he, he missed out on that ring uh, instead of being some sort of sixth man off the bench. Tobin, do you have any, I, again, I know that, that you never saw Elgin Baylor play and there's not like, there's a ton of YouTube videos out there on, on Elgin Baylor, but one of the all-time great scoring legends of this league. Do you have any thoughts on on Elgin Baylor? I mean, obviously he was, uh, he was awesome, but you know, my, my first memories of Elgin Baylor are the, awful decisions he made as Clippers GM. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's part of the situation for us is that we we grew up with him as the punching bag of the the GM situation. Because, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that's not like he was a terrible GM. He was a GM for a long time, but the Clippers were just were just awful for years. And so, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, he kind of took the, the brunt of a lot of that. And so, 
you know, yeah, kind of the same thing. Like going back now as a, as an older fan and kind of like researching more in the game, more as a as an educated person. You know that uh, it's it's kind of cool seeing how great he was as a player, considering I did not think a whole lot of him uh, as a GM. So definitely, yeah, I think some of that too. In hindsight, you can say um, the things that we maybe that at least we I speak for this show uh, didn't know about when we were maybe judging him on his GM performances uh, during Donald that time Sterling. is what he was dealing with behind the scenes yeah. and how horrific Donald Sterling was uh, to work with and for and how much difficulty that brought him personally and professionally and and all those sorts of things. He did win Executive of the Year in. I think 2008, maybe I'll have to look up that, that date. So he did at least 2005, 2006. There we go. Thank you. That's the, uh, like that, that Elton brand, Corey Maggetti team that, uh, yeah. Katina Mobley, all those guys. Yeah. 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 Had some real success before Elton brand went to Philly. Uh, but so I'm kind of glad I, I'm sure I didn't care in 2005, 2006, but, but again, being older now and then also just understanding what all was happening with, with, uh, Donald Sterling. I'm, I'm glad that he sort of got some vindication on that front and absolutely that yeah. he could do what he was hired. He, what, what he was, he was very capable of doing more than probably what we got to see given all of the circumstances of all that. So, um, Danny, do you have anything to add on the Elgin Baylor talk before we move into trade stuff? No, I think he's he's one of those guys that uh, people our age we know the name Elgin Baylor if you're a hoop fan, but probably don't know a whole lot about him. But that's if he had been drafted 10, 12 years later, maybe he'd be in the conversation mm-hmm. of all time greats with people our age. But just played a little early. But it, it, stats don't lie. Sure. Yeah, for sure. He does. I, I thought uh, two two last things. We'll move on. Um, uh, Bill, we we talk all the time on the show of this sort of love hate that we have with with Bill Simmons and. We like to make fun of Bill Simmons when he says stupid stuff, which is quite frequent, so it's it's always fun. He did a really good um, sort of eulogy for for Elgin on his uh, on his podcast this week. He, he read some of what he wrote in the book of basketball regarding Elgin Baylor and kind of talked about the personal relationship that he had with Elgin, and, and I, I found it to be very, very good and felt like a great send-off. So you should go check that out if you want to. He also, Elgin Baylor, holds the distinction of being, this is one of those rare, weird things that obviously never happens anymore, but I always find fascinating. He was drafted twice. He got drafted in 1956 by the Lakers in the 14th round of the draft. He was the 91st pick in the 56 draft, and then he was the first pick in the 58 draft. And I always find that interesting when, when there's like a, a baseball draft sort of thing that happens uh, in the NBA. Now it can't, ha- can't happen anymore, but uh, weird things that you used to be able to get away with in the drafts back when nobody was paying attention to it and stuff. Uh, so I found that interesting that he was previously a 14th round pick before he was able to uh, actually join the Lakers. So rest in peace, Elgin Baylor, one of the all-time greats. And uh, if you ever get a chance to see any of his YouTube stuff or his, his highlight stuff on YouTube, you should definitely check that out. Lots of, lots of good things. We have two injuries that I think we have to touch on. Both of these came down last week while we were off, Tobin, while you were selfishly taking a vacation. Um, and I, we don't have time to get into the, the, the long-term ramifications of these two things, but they are quite significant. LeBron James is out with a really nasty-looking sprained ankle uh, for four to six weeks. We're about a week or so into that four to six-week period. 
and LaMelo Ball um, broke his wrist and is out for the season. And then, then, then the Hornets were like, well, he's getting a second opinion. That seems a little odd. So maybe he comes back towards the end of the season. But I think we can effectively say that uh, the Lakers are going to have to deal without their best player and also their second best player for another four weeks or so. And uh, the rookie of the year race is now, I think, is actually interesting because LaMelo Ball is injured. He's going to if he misses the rest of the season and Anthony Edwards continues to play at the pace that he's playing at right now. That's a conversation that I don't think we were expecting to have uh, a week or so ago. Yeah, totally. It's it's I think that Anthony Davis, they told us they said today that they're hoping two weeks for him. But I just don't see how that's going to be, you know, possible. Like I was just telling you off the other night, I think that they could be in a big hurt if they are out for six weeks with LeBron. And I mean, and that's like the kind of high ankle sprain too, that like even at six weeks, he's still going to be dealing with that. And not that LeBron is, you know, showing any signs of this, but at 36, that's got to be hard way, you know, a hard thing to come back from, I would think. So. Yeah, no question. No question. Um, That dude is impervious. Like he just, he feels invincible when he's out there. And to see him actually get injured, it's just, it's so weird. But that was, Danny, do you see this? Did you, or did you, did you see the injury? I don't, I don't know if you're the type that hides from injuries like, uh, like Tobin is. Oh yeah. And no, uh, I super you, do not seek injury? out videos of, in, I don't get people that do. I don't I have no interest in watching, watching him no. suffer his high ankle sprain in high definition. I'm so out on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'm the type that needs to see it. Like if you tell me. I'm 38 years old, but I'm still kind of a child when it comes to don't tell me what to do, I guess. Uh, if, if you say, if you see on Twitter somebody saying, whatever you do, do not look up the blah, blah, blah injury, I'm like, well, now I'm going to go do that immediately. I need to know what this was so that I can, uh, so that I can properly know how to, how to be sad for yeah. this person, I guess. I don't That's know. That's whenever it. I put my phone up and don't touch it for four hours so my timeline can be cleansed of it because I, I still to this day have not seen the Gordon Hayward injury and I'm, I'm not going to watch wow. it. So it's like, I'm not going to do it. Mm-mm. I need to see it. it. It's also partly, I have a, my, I mean, not that I ever use it, but my degree is in kinesiology. Like I have a, a, a slight biomechanics background and I am interested in, the injury and like what that's going to look like from a recovery standpoint, or I don't know if somebody says high ankle sprain, that can mean anything. I want to know if is it an in, is it, is it in, is it out? Like how does it roll all that kind of stuff so that I can sort of internalize. All right. This so I can play doctor essentially is what it, <laughs> what it comes down to. Uh, but so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, they're, they're the Lakers. This is a, this season, this whole year for for the Hornets is kind of found money. If they they're sort of solidified as a team that is at worst going to be in the playing game, and currently I think they're in fourth or fifth place in the in the East, and they're feisty and they're well coached and they have a little bit more talent than I think we thought that they did. And so it's you know it, worst case scenario they drop to the play in, they lose, they get another lottery pick. It's 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 whatever. It's found money. Lakers. A little bit different, man. It's it's playing in the West. The Mavs are coming on. We'll talk in a second here about how the Nuggets and the Blazers. We think I I think at least both got better this season, or excuse me, at at the trade deadline. Uh, and the Lakers are currently in fourth in the fourth seed with, and I think they are Tobin. If you want to look it up, I think they're three games up on Dallas in the seventh seed. They're four, four games, games up. Four games okay. up on Dallas. 
it's close. And with Anthony Davis continuing to be out, and if LeBron's out for four weeks, uh, four more weeks, uh, you're I, nobody's going to want to play them in the playoffs, right? But it makes their playoff path a lot more difficult if they drop to the sixth seed or, God forbid, into the seventh seed and have to be part of the playing tournament and stuff. So it's just. It's a uh, it's a very dangerous time for them, and I just you, I'm watching them play Philly right now, and I mean they're hanging close, but they kind of have the feel of a team that's going to hang close in the first every every game without LeBron and Anthony Davis. It's like they can hang close because they have Dennis Schroeder and Montrez and some talented guys around there, but ultimately teams are going to put them away. And if you're playing four six weeks without without LeBron, you you may be in a lot of trouble. So we'll see we'll see how that shakes out over the next few weeks. We're not here to talk about injuries for the rest of this time. We're here to talk about trade. So let's talk about all of the trades that happened at the trade deadline today. The big trade started a few days before the actual trade deadline with what the Bucks did with the uh, with with the Rockets. I put it on this sheet as the as making a trade with the Raptors. I don't know what I was doing there. It should have been the Rockets. It doesn't matter. So let's talk about the Eastern Conference first, guys. We're we're gonna kind of hit these the highs more than anything else. And I'm I'm sure in some of these deals that we will kind of miss like some of the ancillary parts that got moved because they don't really matter. The guys that get traded and then for, for salary cap purposes and then get immediately cut. I, you know, I don't know that we necessarily need to spend time on them, but let's, let's, let's start with Milwaukee getting PJ Tucker along with uh Kuruch from, uh, from Houston in exchange for DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, and this weird, you know, teams are getting more and more creative as as we as we go with these sorts of things. I've never seen that one before. I don't think. I don't think I've ever seen give us back our own draft pick from this year, and we'll give you another draft pick of ours for next year. That was a that was a strange one, Tobin. But what do you think about PJ Tucker to the Bucks? I think it's good. I think it's good for the Bucks to have a player that can come in and give them good minutes, and I think it's good for him to get out of Houston. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to put the Bucks, you know, over the top, or you know, it doesn't necessarily put them as a huge, uh, a huge piece to counter with uh, the Nets or the Sixers. But I mean, that's a that's a move that's not bad to make, especially considering they're getting their pick back as well. Yeah. But also, DJ Augustine has been on ten different teams in twelve years, <laughs> and I, I I never like if you if you asked me randomly every season what team does DJ Augustine play for, I probably would not get it right every single sure. time. Because, yeah. like, cause like he, you know, and I feel like he's a serviceable point guard. Like, I mean, I know, like, whenever the Magic were floating him last year, we were talking about how it wouldn't be the worst to have him and then just, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's just, like, so, like, I don't feel like that trade is, is bad for either team, really. I mean, the Rockets get, you know, get something serviceable out of it. They get a later first, and then the Bucks get a player that can help them in the playoff push, so... Yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts, but Wiser, what about you? What do you think on PJ Tucker? Uh, I think and th- this whole. I think Tobin's very nice saying that uh, both it works out for both teams. I think it's just another continuation of uh, the Rockets making bad decisions and imploding. Uh, I feel like they could have got they got pretty close to nothing for a, a really solid rotation player in PJ Tucker that makes the Bucks instantly just a little bit better and gives them a little more. Oh, more I'm gonna I'm gonna trash the Rockets later on. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm just, starting trashing the Rockets. I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things that. where like yeah. you they kind of put themselves in that situation whenever they told him to stay home and then the whole league's like, oh, okay, well they have to dump him now. Yeah. You know, so like in, in like in an expiring deal for seven point nine million, is I think it's how much he was making. Like I, like I, I don't feel like you can do a whole lot with that. So like that's why I'm not like at this point. I'm like okay, whatever. Like it's just 
you know, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, I just yeah. I feel like they could have gotten something. Sure. They they got essentially nothing for a solid serviceable rotation piece in PJ Tucker. Um like not really any assets, nothing. You're not going to get a lot to build on in an aging PJ Tucker. I get that. <clears> like I'm not expecting uh, a bunch of solid rookies or like a bunch of draft picks or mm-hmm. anything, but like something, like literally anything for for this guy who's yeah. he's a legitimate NBA player. I would hope that you would get something that in the future could lead to another legitimate NBA player maybe and I just don't feel like they got anything. Yeah. I mean, they get a flyer on DJ Wilson, but I'm I'm of the opinion that DJ Wilson is is just not really an NBA player. Right. So I you know that's not that's not of great value. It's it's odd to me that they weren't able to generate. I mean, look, there's a really good chance that PJ Tucker is is just pretty much done. I mean, he's he's old. He's 36 years old, I think, and has a lot of hard miles on him from playing center at six two and a half. Or I mean, I don't know by by Tobin's measurement, maybe he's six eleven. But uh, the he's he's a small guy. He's a small guy for for the position. He's got a lot of hard miles on. Him. So, but it was a little surprising to me that they weren't able to generate more interest around the league. Uh, that could have at least brought back like a real first round pick, not a, but a here's the, what essentially is this pick swap, you know. But here's the other thing too, like what? How, how do we know that they didn't maybe do PJ Tucker a solid because they do like him? I mean, it's you know, it's possible, Tobin. I'm not going to throw that out completely, but I'm not sure that PJ Tucker qualifies for doing a solid the way that Kyle Lowry does or, sure. or somebody no, like that. No, he absolutely and, doesn't, but that doesn't mean that the Rockets aren't yeah. stupid enough to do it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I'm surprised. The, the flip side of this is like, it didn't cost him anything. So whatever from Milwaukee, <clears throat> I'm not super sold on the front office in Milwaukee and no. the way that they yeah. are, they're going about this. Like, the holiday trade again, like holiday has been really, really, really good for them. I still kind of question like, is that what, what you needed? Is that what we needed to spend five draft picks on is, is drew holiday. And then PJ Tucker, the same thing. Like when I saw that trade, I was initially kind of like out on it. And then I kind of saw, Oh, they basically gave up nothing. So it, 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 you know, whatever, but they're Milwaukee's at a place where they just don't have a lot of, a lot of chances. There's not a lot of bites at the apple, you know, from them because they gave up so much in the Drew Holiday trade that I'm not sure that PJ Tucker is what really is going to put them over the top if that's mm-hmm. indeed what what it's going to be. And I'm also still a little surprised like we're going to talk about Boston, we'll we'll go to Boston next, but Boston to me felt like a legitimate yes. landing spot for PJ Tucker and if all we're giving up is is a you know a future first swap like surely Boston could have gotten in on that if if they weren't doing you know working other angles or something I I don't know Boston seemed like the, a legitimate place where he could actually make a a real difference whereas Milwaukee it's just like okay it's another guy to have that's nice I guess I, I it's kind of an odd fit for me but yeah and he could have just been exor- absorbed in Boston too so yeah that's the other thing well let's talk about Boston um. Shouts to our buddy Brad who had a rough one today. Uh, it was a roller coaster for him today. <laughs> what are you talking really about, is. dude? They got Mo Wagner. They're set. <laughs> um, poor Brad. Like what I've said to Brad in the past is, is holds true today. Is like I never I don't trust anybody who's like overly optimistic about their team. Like that just <laughs> you you must not have been through enough to be to yeah. be this uh, to be this optimistic. Yeah, tell about, me about your, your tell team. me you're a bandwagon fan without telling me you're a bandwagon <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, we know what happened in the off season with Gordon Hayward. There's there's been some back and forth on 
how much, <clears throat> uh, whether or not that that proposed Indiana deal was really, really like a hundred percent there, or whether it was sort of bandied about and then left behind. I I don't think that I think we can all agree. Wiser, I'll go go to you here first. Is it fair to say that we don't think that they handled the, the Gordon Hayward exit very well? That they lost that asset for essentially nothing? Yeah, and- I think that's pretty fair, dude. <laughs> like, <are> they, okay, <laughs> it's, it's just uh, granted. You don't know if everything that you hear is true, but if sure. if what we heard that like they could have had Miles Turner, but uh, Danny got a little greedy and wanted to wait for mm-hmm. more and lost uh, lost out on that, and then ended up just letting Gordon Hayward walk for nothing. Like if there's even an ounce of truth to that, that's bad. Like that's very very yeah. bad, especially when you look at uh, a Celtics team who their one big need for a couple of years now has been a center. Like that, right. that's exactly what they right. needed. And like you're waiting for a little more for Gordon Hayward. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. if if there's any truth to that, not 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 a great look. I kind of put that aside as like that must have been at least half rumor hearsay type thing. And then I've heard it so much on podcasts with like people who know things like that are actually, you know, have sources and stuff like Tim Bontemps and that he sort of reiterated that they could have had that and didn't. And so now I kind of I'm back in the place of, well, I think I think that was a. I think that was a Danny Ainge special. Got a little greedy and and ended up with with nothing. So they they essentially flipped. What this amounts to is they flipped Gordon Hayward and two second round picks for Evan Fournier uh, from from Orlando as Orlando went into full sell mode for finally. Let's go full. We'll we'll talk a lot of Orlando here in a second. I think we're all very proud of Orlando for finally realizing uh, the inevitable that (laughs) that they are that they are going through here. Tobin, what do you think about Fournier to the Celtics for two seconds? I think the deal itself, like as as just a deal, is a great deal, and I think taking him in the exception is, is fine. But I'm with Danny. I'm with Wiser. Like if you, if you are saying to me that you could have Miles Turner instead, it's it's not good. So now you're kind of in the mode of they need to re-sign him to a favorable deal for them for this to be probably a, a win. And even that might not be a win because it could be a bad contract in a couple of years. But Fournier is a great player. He's fairly on the, I mean, he's like 26, right? I mean, he's, he's pretty young. Um, so it's just not what they need necessarily. Like that's the thing. I don't think the fit is great, but it's also somebody that's going to score 20 points a game. I just, I listen in, in Brad is by no, no means a bandwagon fan. That's not what I meant earlier, but like he, he is super optimistic, but I just this team is not great. Like I mean, like like when you look at the standings, like they are scraping into the eighth seed right now. Like at in their two games under five hundred, and Fournier is not going to put you. And you're in the East, and you're two games under five hundred. Like that's like Kimba yeah. Walker's not working out. Like and they, you know, they they can't do anything about that. That's you know they had to resign him, and mm-hmm. you know and I just don't or not had to resign. They had to like that was a good that that was a good signing at the time, but. I just don't – I don't think the trade is bad. I just don't think it's going to do what they need it to do to make them successful this year. And if they can re-sign him for, I don't know, like the same-ish deal, then great. But it's still – you're talking about, you know, a guy that takes shots away from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, in my opinion. So That's my biggest my biggest <clears throat> issue with it. Like, Fournier's fine. He's a solid player, and they, they didn't give up a whole lot to get him. And uh, and so, I mean, I'll give Danny the credit of, hey, you, you may have backed yourself into this corner, but but that's a good use of assets. 
to 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 bring in sure. Evan Fournier for for basically nothing. Um, I just the Celtics, as much as any team in the league, seem committed to positionless basketball, and I think that's a really good. I, I like positionless. I, I like the the concept of positionless basketball quite a bit. Um, but there's there's traps and there's pitfalls that come with that and. The issue for me with Boston, more and more, and this this comes from a conversation that I had with, with our buddy Richard off the air uh, a few weeks ago. He's been down on on the Celtics for a long time. I'm I'm still I'm a little more bullish on them than than he is, um, but I've sort of come to his viewpoint on Tatum and Brown. All they're doing is just taking turns. It's the same as what the Clippers are doing with mm-hmm. with Kawhi and Paul George. It's just. Cool. All right, it's your turn to shoot. Cool. All right, it's your turn to shoot. And and both of them are are mostly doing uh, ISO type play moves and and that result in a lot of like semi contested eighteen foot jumpers. And that's just you can do that when you're LeBron and Wade because you have LeBron. You know, it's it's real hard to win that way when. When you're not on that level, and I'm not sure that Fournier really moves the needle for me on that. Now, what it does is gives them depth, and that's something they desperately need because they just have nothing mm-hmm. outside of their starting five, really. But and, and so, I mean, he can he can fill that void. He can give you some scoring, but I think he's a little bit of empty calories. Wiser, I don't know where you where you stand on this because we we talked a lot about Fournier <coughs> coming to Dallas. That was one of our like I guess we could go with that route, but like. He's averaging 19, almost 20 points a game. He's shooting seven threes a game uh, at like 38%. He, you know, he has some decent assist numbers, but he's not, to me at least, he's not quite good stats, bad team kind of guy, but he is a bit of empty calories that I don't necessarily trust to add much to a team in a, like a deep playoff run. But I don't know. Wiser, do you have any other other thoughts on that before we get to the rest of the Celtics? Stuff? No, I mean, he's Evan Fournier is a guy that can get open and make a three. Um, and he mm-hmm. just got sent to a team that needs a playmaker and a center. And so I don't, it just yeah. doesn't seem like this is yet. Yeah, depth is great. And every team can use an Evan Fournier because nobody's going to say, no, I don't need more shooting. Um, so mm-hmm. he's, he has a place there, obviously. Uh, but just of all the moves that they could have <laughs> could have pushed really hard toward this trade deadline and yeah. everything that could have really helped their team a lot, like playmaking would have really helped. Fournier doesn't really do mm-hmm. that. Uh, a big would have helped. Fournier obviously is not that. And so I just mm-hmm. – it's fine. Yeah. I'm no, I don't think anybody's mad at like trading away basically nothing and getting back Evan Fournier. That's not certainly not a bad deal, but it's pretty mm-hmm. disappointing uh, when you compare it to what the Celtics were hoping, at least Celtics fans were sure. hoping to do at the trade deadline this year. Mm-hmm. But even if they could have, like, you know, the Vucevic trade went first today, and even if they could have said to, to the Orlando, like, hey, we're going to take Fournier for this into our space, and here's the picks or whatever, why don't, you, why don't we – we'll send you something if you can send us Wendell Carter Jr., Junior, like, listen, like, I mean, he's he's hurt and he doesn't do exactly. That's still better than what you currently have. Like, that would have made, in my opinion, if they would have somehow found a way to get Wendell Carter Jr. or somebody like you know somebody else that, that's on the box today. I know that they ended up with Mo, Mo Wagner, but that was like the very last part of the day, and they also traded away a big for that. And so, yeah. um, that that's that would have made it it's I mean, a little bit better for me, but even then, like it's just you know it doesn't do a whole lot for them. I just don't understand why you wouldn't just get get all in on on Vucevic and and or Gordon. Like just I, I mean, yeah. 
they've done the hard part. Like they got Tatum and they got Brown. You've got you've got your cornerstones, and at least you 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 think you do, right? Like it's it's if you believe in Tatum and Brown, then you've done the hard part. You got to build around it, and there's only going to be so many opportunities to do that. They are another team that. I don't know. I mean, they still have some future assets, but they've done a poor job of drafting lately, and they don't have a ton left in the cupboard. I, I just, I don't know. I when I see that that Vucevic gets moved for two first round picks, that Gordon basically just was one first and and a young guy. I I don't know, man. <clears throat> I, I think you maybe could have figured out how to do that. And at the <sighs> I don't know. I'm a little surprised too, to be honest, that they didn't make a call. And I don't know. Brad may just lose his mind when I say this, but I think maybe you could have figured out a way to to, to put Al Horford into that that trade exception, mm-hmm. and that wouldn't help them right now. Like I know that that didn't end on the best terms, and Al Horford certainly isn't uh, who he was in his prime or whatever. But I I can't imagine that Oklahoma City was looking for that much to get off of Horford's contract for next year and whatnot. So I don't know. I just don't really understand. And then, and then flipping Tice for Wagner as well kind of takes away another guy. I mean, they're betting big on, on, on Robert Williams and you better be right. I'm not saying they're, that they're wrong, but you, you better be right. That, that time Lord is like a legitimate starting center in the NBA, because if not, who are you running out there? Is your crunch time five like market against the Sixers? Marcus Smart as the as the center? I mean that's that's risky, man. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. Anyway, I, I, the Fournier move itself is is fine. I just I'm not thrilled with what they have done over the course of of the last year to kind of put this team where I I think we thought. I don't know. I didn't think they were going to be a top two or three seed in in the East, but I felt like they were a comfortable four seed, and that is just they're now they're 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 fighting for it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not thrilled with that. Uh, we we mentioned two pieces that did get moved to the Bulls, so let's just go ahead and and knock those out. The Bulls <clears throat> early in the day that was kind of the first the first move of the day. They they acquired uh, Nikola Vucevic as well as our, our boy Alpha Rukaminu. Uh, from the Magic for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two first-round picks. And then they also brought in Daniel Tice from the Celtics and Troy Brown from the Wizards and uh, sent out in that uh, Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchison. Uh, let's go to you first, Danny. What do you think about uh, What do you think about the Bulls? What do you think about this trade? Is this a good value for Vucevic, too much, et cetera, et cetera? What do you think on this? One? I love this trade for the Bulls a lot. Like they, so they give up Wendell Carter Jr., who could be a really solid, good NBA player. Showed flashes of that, obviously, but just was not working in Chicago. Just didn't fit with whatever they were trying to do for whatever reason. And so, moving on from him, not a bad idea. Otto Porter Jr., who is a talented dude that just doesn't want to play basketball anymore uh, and was not, also was not super working out in Chicago. Moving on from him, great. And then two first-round picks, which it's never uh, super fun to trade away first-round picks, but with this roster, they're going to end up being mid-first-round picks rather than like top five, top ten picks, I'm thinking, probably. Um, and you get an all-star center in Nikola Vucevic, who's averaging, what, like 28 and 14 or something just silly like that. Yeah. Um, it's, this seems like a no brainer, uh, for me. Alfaro Camino provides solid wing depth. He's not, uh, not going to be an all-star ever or anything like that, but he's a solid wing defender that like every team is going to be happy with having an Alfaro Camino, uh, on the team. Uh, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. this, this was a great 
trade for the Bulls. I think. I mean, I I don't I don't love to do the this team won this trade or this team really fleeced. You know what I mean? I don't love to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a great trade for the Bulls. I love this a lot. And any team is going to be happy to have Nikola Vucevic. I like Vooch. Um, I mean, I like his attitude. I like how much he just goes out and does it. He's he's a he's a guy. I really I really dig what he brings to the table. What he's not bringing to the table is his defense. Um, he's he's pretty rough as a as a defender. And now they're going to be running out a team that's Kobe White, bad defender Zach Levine. I think probably still below average defender, but maybe let's be generous and say average defender. Laurie Markkinen, bad defender. And Patrick Williams, he's, you know, could, I mean, he, he, he better turn out to be a good defender for them to have spent the fourth pick on him and, and done all this stuff. But I, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm there yet with him and probably is a couple years away. Um, they can't, I mean, they can't, they can't defend anybody. I, I, I don't know. I, I, they have Thad Young too. So we'll see how they, they run those, those three big men. Like if, Maybe Thad starts over Laurie Markkinen. Markkinen is your your third big. I I don't know. Um, I liked this trade for them, but I I am not quite in the the love it category. I think those those two firsts are a little riskier than um, than maybe you do, Wiser. Where do you stand on this, Tobin? I think that it's it's if it's a sign of what the new management's going to be like, it's probably you probably have to have some hope. I mean, if they have years of just horrendous deals and trades and no mm-hmm. trades and stuff like that, so. It has to be a good a good feeling for Bulls fans that they are you know the Paxson era is over and they're kind of getting into this new era of maybe taking risk and in calculated like legitimate risk, but also high upside stuff. Um, I think Vucevic is a great fit, you know, in the sense of offensively, like you said. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. Boylan broke him, so it, like I mean yeah. he wasn't going to do anything with you there and anyway an auto porter is an expiring deal so really you're just losing two first round picks that could possibly be good i i like this trade but for honestly for both teams i think if wendell carter jr is at all what he was supposed to be then the magic have a, a good person to come in and put next to um uh oh crap uh jonathan isaac whenever he comes back um hmm. But also two first round picks. So I mean, like I think it's I think it's one of those those rare trades that you could probably make a positive argument for both sides. So um, sure. it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, Vucevic what he brings to them. To another, I mean, like is it going to open up him to be even more offensive because of uh, Levine, or is Levine going to have a lot more space now that Vucevic is out there? So I mean, the two of them running like a high pick and roll is going to be crazy. Yeah, I kind of love it's it. Gonna, yeah. They're going to get a lot of buckets out of that because that's like you got to start defending them at the logo, kind of. I mean, the way that they're that both of them can walk into a shot, it's that's it's a that'll be really sexy. I like I said, I I a little. This maybe wouldn't be the path that I would have gone. Let, let me put it that way. I, I'm not sure that this is the path that I would have gone for the, for the Bulls. I might have instead traded Thad, maybe tried to trade either Carter or uh, Laurie or maybe both, and but keep keep Levine, keep uh, keep Williams, keep some of my core intact, and try to get one more like legit little decent lottery pick. Because they've kind of faded over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's maybe a little bit closer to the team that they are than what they were, uh, you know, for the the month before that, you know. So, um, my anyway, my my path might have been to say, hey, let's try to get one more decent pick before we go all in on this, because to me, it's like if you're giving up your first round pick with this, you better you 
better be sure that you're for sure sure getting in the playoffs. And even in the East, I don't, I'm not totally sure that that's a, I, at least to the point that I, I don't think you can say that it's a surety to happen, right? Like that's not a certain thing. So it's a, it's a little bit of a risky play. I admire the, you know, I, I do admire the the front office for for having some some guts and and going for it. And I do think there's a certain amount of we got to get rid of everybody that that the Garpax era <laughs> brought in because it's just it's just it's like poison fruit at this point. My my <laughs> other thought here, the other reason I sort of like this, Vucevic is on a descending deal, and so he makes yeah. 26 this year, 24 next year, 22 the next year, uh, and so like you try him out the rest of the season, see if he gels with the younger guys that you got. If he doesn't, like. That's a trade asset that you can use to bring on sure. like solid young players. I mean, you traded away Wendell Carter Jr., who's a potentially solid young player that clearly was not working. So I'm okay moving on yeah. from that. Like, try to get sort of established young guys who you're looking at, thinking like I mm-hmm. can see what they are like as an NBA player. See, they may fit in our system a little bit better. Um, you can sure. always trade Vucevic. Like, I, he's making 24 million dollars next year. That's not crazy for the type of output that he that he gives out, there are going to be some teams that are going to be willing to trade away young guys to try to win now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would have been way, way higher on this if they would have been able to then complete the Lonzo Ball trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they were, yeah. you know, sort. And I have no idea what that was like because I cannot, I do not understand a world. This was this was bouncing around, not just like <clears throat> fans, but but within NBA media of like, oh, what about Laurie Markkinen for Alonzo Ball? Yeah, that sounds good. Why in the world would New Orleans want Laurie Markkinen? That makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. They just they just gave Stephen Adams four hundred million dollars. Like, what what are we talking about here? But um, if they could have completed that and actually get a point guard to go with that roster, um, I might have been a little a little more interested in the way that they were. As it stands, I you know they'll they'll be fun to watch and offensively, my goodness, they're gonna be they're gonna be tough to beat. Um, I'm just not I'm not a hundred percent sold, but I do, I do agree with you, Wiser. Like from just from an an asset standpoint, trading a descending asset because I think Wendell Carter was just straight up not gonna work there anymore. It was it wasn't gonna happen, and so to to get him out of there, maybe he kind of rehabilitates it with with Orlando. I I don't know. I hope so. I like Wendell Carter, so hopefully. He's able to to figure those things out, but to trade that out for a guy who uh, l- let's be let's be real, a Vucevic has been very good this season, but b it's a lot more palatable to pay Nikola Vucevic uh, for two years than it is for four years at that you know around that twenty five million dollar deal, mm-hmm. and so that's a that's a decent asset to have to have later on down the road, um, and you know Troy Brown's kind of a we'll see what happens kind of guy. I mean, he was a high, relatively high draft pick and maybe they're able to get something out of it. And they certainly weren't, they, I don't think they were going to Daniel Gafford was not gelling with, uh, with Billy Donovan at all. And, and I think Hutchison is just kind of a lost product at this point. Um, let's go to, let's talk about the Sixers. Sixers were heavy in on, on Kyle Lowry. I think maybe to their detriment to the point that they were like, so laser focused on Lowry that there maybe weren't as many, uh, secondary things for them to get to but they did pull off one trade sending out tony bradley who's been really good for them uh needs to be said given that that uh Embiid has been out and his injury history and whatnot they they did get rid of a guy who who provided some solid minutes for them um as well as a couple of second round picks this was a three-team deal austin rivers got in on it as well they bring back george hill from oklahoma city george hill's been out for a couple months but we know what George Hill is and what he brings to the table. So now they'll be able to go to a lineup if they choose, so choose that's Embiid, Simmons, 
and they could potentially put all three on the floor of of Danny Green, uh, Seth Curry, and George Hill. Tobin, what do you think about this deal for Philly? I think it's a great deal, like for Philly, considering you know, like George Hill is a he's a great pro, and he's he's a point guard that they need. Um, if the floated trade that was out there of uh, the the Raptors wanted Maxi Thibel in two ones for Lowry. I think that you made the right call. Like I mean, you got a player yeah, that it's too much. You got a player that can come in and do the little things that you need to do. And he's not Lowry by any stretch, but Lowry isn't a guaranteed championship by any any means. And especially if you're going to give up two of your future cheaper cornerstones and first round picks on top of that. I mean, you're first in the East already. Like so, mm-hmm. you don't need to be making. Like you're not the team that's making moves to try to catch the team in first. So, like I, I think I, if if I had those two trades in front of me, I think they made the right call. So, you know, George Hill obviously doesn't move the needle in the sense of he's not going to excite the the layman fan. But if you are paying attention, George Hill can do a lot of good things for your team. So, yeah. Uh, why is it worried about you? Yeah, George Hill's a solid consolation prize. You're expecting Lowry. <laughs> you didn't get him. That's fine. But you didn't give up really any assets, and uh, you mm-hmm. get. George Hill back, who's pr- going to provide a little depth. Worst case scenario, George Hill shows up and show, or shoots thirty five percent from three off the bench for you, and you're fine with it. So mm. this is also don't underestimate the fact that he played for the Bucks is and knows their system too. So yeah, that's it. true. That's true. He, uh, you know, there's a little redundancy with George Hill and, and Seth Curry, and I think they. I still think I. I, I think the need for them was an actual point guard not a another uh sort of combo guard or or really just an undersized shooting guard like george hill he's a depth piece so that's fine like they didn't give up a ton to get him um you but i hopefully in some ways you say like my initial thought i'll be honest i was playing basketball today as i always am on trade deadline day and i wish they'd move it to wednesdays so that so that i can be uh active with you guys and chatting about all this stuff my initial thought was like man you gave up tony bradley like that's risky because Embiid gets hurt a lot, and then I immediately thought, but if Embiid gets hurt again, it doesn't matter. Like, their playoff dreams are, are over at that point anyway. So, it does, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But, yeah, they get, a little, they get a little depth piece with George Hill. There's some redundancy there with, with Seth Curry, and, and I don't know that how often you can play lineups that have both of them in it without just getting torched by – I mean, like, those two guys can't go out against Brooklyn, right? Like, you can't put both of them on the floor very often against – against Brooklyn if Brooklyn is at full strength, things like that. But, you know, it just gives them some shooting and some depth, and I kind of dig that too. So uh, let's talk let's, – let's do the heat. Let's, let's get this, this over with because <sighs> Pat freaking Riley, man. Um, was rumored heavily in on Lowry. They were rumored heavily in on uh, Oladipo. Um, there was all this noise that they were going to have to give up Tyler Hero and or Duncan Robinson – to make one of these big trades work. And instead, through the course of the week, let's go through this. They get Trevor Ariza from OKC in exchange for the corpse of Myers Leonard and a 2027 second round pick. That's all it took to get Trevor Ariza, who, you know, hasn't played all year. So maybe, who knows? Maybe that's a, that's a value play for them. I, I, I don't know. Uh, they also bring in... Uh, Bielitsa from Sacramento in exchange for Mo Harkless and Chris Silva. And then at the very end of the day, <laughs> like last second sort of thing, they go ahead and they get Oladipo. And all that cost them is Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, <clears throat> and a 2022 first round pick swap. 
So they were able to, and now they're going to go sign LaMarcus Aldridge as well. So Miami was able to get Victor Oladipo, Trevor Ariza, and Bielitsa, as well as LaMarcus Aldridge. And really all it cost them was a far future second round pick and some depth pieces that they weren't going to use in the playoffs anyway. Um, Dadgum Pat Riley does it again. What do you think about this? All of this combined, Weiser. I mentioned it uh, at the top of the episode, and we're just going to keep harping on it. It's just another example of the Rockets imploding, and I'm super here for it because this this trade sucks. Uh, Did you guys see – let me pull it up. It's uh, it's a tweet from a Houston beat writer who kind of summarized the final return for James Harden because Oladipo was part of the whole James Harden thing. Um, so they got unprotected first-round picks from Brooklyn in 22, 24, 26, and then pick swaps in the year between those, but those picks probably are not going to swap because the Rockets' picks are going to be yep. better. Uh, and then an unprotected first-rounder from Milwaukee. So they got a total of fir- four first-round picks from two of the best teams in the NBA uh, for one of the best players in the NBA. It's, it's just Gosh. monumentally bad, uh, and it's just an example of – Bad management and bad decision making, and it just is happening to my least favorite team in the NBA. And so it's hard to be <laughs> hard to be upset about it. I I like Victor Oladipo a lot. Um, I understand why his trade value uh, was sort of tanked, but not fully to the extent that it was tanked because he's still averaging twenty two five and five this season mm-hmm. over twenty games. And so it's not like he's a bad player. Uh, and it's it's insane that the Heat would get. Uh, a piece like that for literally like two guys who are not good at basketball anymore and then <laughs> a pick swap that's not going to swap. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I, it's it's, hard to, imagine that, thing about it's that, hard to imagine they didn't get a single better offer than that. Yeah. No, uh, it's – it's so I want to shed some – just a second. I, heard, I listened to a pod that was talking about that a little bit today. But it's funny, you know – Olenek is Olenek plays for them. Olenek does serve a role for for the Heat, and you know he plays sometimes starter minutes. He's usually in their closing lineups, uh, things like that. So you know it. He's not nothing. They replaced him with Bielitsa. Bielitsa's <laughs> better than Olenek is at the exact same role. They do the exact same thing at the same position, and they got Bielitsa for nothing. And then uh, there's like, yeah, well, obviously we can trade Olenek now. This doesn't matter. It's it's. Riley, Riley is so. Everyone else is just it's it's a joke comparatively. He just crushes people every single like I to the point where it's like if if Pat Riley calls me and I'm another GM, I'm like no, don't even take his call. He's gonna he's gonna rip me off somehow. Like this is he's gonna use his magic and voodoo or whatever and and figure out a way to talk me into. They just they always figure out a way to do these little these little trades that don't seem that, that terribly significant. And then you kind of add it all up and you're like, dad gum it. Like they just got like three legitimate players for, for their championship run. Like, gosh, you know, you know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee and Philly that, that those front offices are like, gosh, dang it. You know, and just super angry that Miami was able to come away with this thing. Um, before I throw to you, Tobin, uh, Rosillo today on on him him and Simmons did a long podcast in like four sections with with uh, different people. I listened to most of it uh, before we came on the air. He said he uh, talked to a uh, you know one of his sources in a, in a front office and who told him that they that the Rockets were constantly calling them about Oladipo. That the Rockets were just shopping Oladipo everywhere 
around the league and couldn't get anything. So that to the point that that he at least believes, and I don't know anything, so I'll just have to take his word for it. He believed that there was not that this was the best deal that was the, the way he phrased it was not that this was the best deal on the table, but that it was the only deal on the table for Oladipo, um, which is crazy. So Tobin, Miami and, and Pat Riley and the whole thing. And if you want to, if you want to kill the, the Rockets, I'm, I'm all, I'm I think that says a lot more about what Oladipo has turned out to be this year, which is yeah. something that we were, I was specifically worried about his injury history when we were talking about him earlier, earlier this season, uh, or even that last off season. Um, but also he's kind of showed his diva status a little bit. Um, yeah, I think sure. as well. Um, th- it was no secret that he wants to be in Miami and it was mm-hmm. no secret that he's probably going to sign there this year. And so that like that, I can't fault the Rockets for, but also you probably could have seen that coming before yes. you traded for him. And considering the player that Indiana ended up getting, it's probably going to be a legitimate, almost borderline star for them. Like, like how, I mean, yeah, the Rockets would be bad regardless of what they did, but they'd be a lot more hope right now if they had Karis LeVert on their team instead of Oladipo. Yeah. And, and Jared Allen. They could have yeah. just kept Jared Allen and, and Karis LeVert. I, yeah. I don't, I didn't really understand it at the time other than they've done this in the, the only thing that I'll say is this is not in their defense, but it, but as far as like kind of understanding the plan, it's a bad plan, but it, but sort of understanding how it has gone in sections and you can't do rebuilds in sections. That's the mm-hmm. problem. You can't, they hired Steven Silas, who I think is going to be a really good head coach. And I feel really, really, really bad for it because he is in the worst position that you could possibly be in at this point. But they hired Silas because Russell Westbrook liked him. And then James Harden demanded that Russell Westbrook be traded and, and also that he be traded. And then instead of just trading at that point, just trade James Harden, right? Like we've yeah. gotten to the point, like we know, I, I don't know. They got some, they scored some credit points for calling a bluff on a superstar, but ultimately it doesn't work. It never works. The only time it's ever worked was Kobe Bryant in like 06 with the Lakers. So you well, can't, once the demand is out there, you pretty much have to do it. And instead they trade Russell Westbrook first. They give up a first round pick. That pick is only top four protected. Can y'all think about that? Y'all like they, they they just lost what? 20, 21 games in a row or something like and now, if they don't get a top four pick, they, that goes to Washington so that they can pay Jan, John Wall, who has the worst contract in the NBA. They did that in segments, and then it's like, okay, finally we're going to go ahead and, and trade James Harden. And But, man, hey, we just traded for, for John Wall, and we still we gave Eric Gordon a huge contract last year that no one was ever going to trade for. And we just signed Christian Wood, which was a good move in a, you know, in a vacuum, but now you're kind of like, gosh – Kind of wish that guy would you just let him hit free, go somewhere else and just fully rebuild. So we then you make this trade for well we can't bring Jared Allen in because we got Christian Wood. So I guess let's take it. it it's so many mistakes. In, yeah, along and the that's line the thing there. too just is like so many mistakes. When they did this, I I think my response was oh they must they must be thinking they're going to get Depot on an extension. And if you get Depot on an extension, then fine. This is this is all like more manageable, but. Like Raphael Stone hasn't even been on that job for a year and he already should be fired. Like there's yeah. so much things that have happened and it's not because the team is bad. Like the team, we knew the team was going to be bad. Like whenever you traded 
hardened, like, that, okay, you've accepted that this is a rebuild, but the way that it's going about and, like, I mean, and you, you mentioned John Wall. They, today, today they were already floating, okay, maybe John Wall needs a buyout. I was like, okay, so so what are we doing then? Like, if you're going to trade Russell Westbrook and then just immediately buy out John Wall, like, like it's like you have to pick one way or the other. And right now they kind of seem to be just kind of grabbing apples at whatever yeah. they want to do. And, I mean, listen, like, we've said before, like, when you trade a superstar like James Harden, you're never going to get a good return. Or not, you're never going to get a full return on it. And, but... Again, if you're looking at even just Karis LeVert right now, who is a good person, a good player, and would be a great story for your team, that's a little bit more easier to stomach yeah. than freaking Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek in the 29th pick in the next four drafts. Yeah. Like it's it's rough, man. There it's a, it's a rough <clears throat> place to be in, and they and it's it's not all their fault, you know. It's it's, it's certainly not all Rafael Stone's fault that the things that have happened, you, but, but the reaction, yeah, was you not made great. this bed though. That's my thing. Like, like Silas is the only person in this in this situation that I can't blame. Like, like every, every other person for Tita and stone and everybody else, like you made this bed because you guys, well, like, I, I, I will say this. It's not stone's fault that he inherited a team that had been doing whatever James Harden wanted. And then James Harden decided he wanted out, you know, so uh, my thing would have just been just trade James Harden. Like it's over. We got to move on. We got to do something else. Doing these little these little deals and segments is just it's it's bad. It's bad business. It doesn't it doesn't work. It just doesn't work like that. Um, they're in a bad place. Miami is not in a bad place. I would say that I don't feel confident that Miami can win the NBA Finals or maybe even win the East, but I feel very confident that they can beat any of the three teams that are ahead of that, that we think will be mm-hmm. the top three teams in the East, the the Sixers, the Nets and the, and the Bucks. I don't know that they can beat two of them in route to the NBA Finals, but I would be very upset, <laughs> be very unhappy to play them if I was one of those three teams in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, they, they've got the horses again to, to just make your life hell. Um, so, oh, and one last thing too, we have to appreciate the fact that all day long it was, are were they going to trade Duncan Robinson or are they going to trade Tyler Hero for Lowry or Depot or whatever? Mm-hmm. And they kept both of them and got a player that's going to make them better. So yeah. they lost nothing. They lost absolutely nothing. Yeah. Of, they lost of, two expiring of, deals. That's yeah. literally it. Like, yeah, none of those guys were playing. Avery Bradley was not playing. Mo Harkless was not playing. Olenek was the only one who was playing, and they, they replaced him with somebody who's better than him for, for nothing. They, they, I just, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, man, crazy. I'm so jealous of that, the way that franchise operates. It frustrates me to no end. Um, all right, let's do a little, some sort of rapid fire here as we kind of, we're going to save, we're going to save uh, Nuggets, Mavs, Blazers for the end of this, and, and we'll talk Raptors in, in the midst of all that. Uh, Clippers and Hawks swapped guards. Lou Williams and two second round picks from the Clippers to plus the Hawks. Cash, I think. So dumb. Yeah, plus, plus cash. cash. Yes. Plus I, cash. This, is, this is one of the more baffling deals of the day to me. Not one of the most important deals of the day, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the NBA. <laughs> Maybe the most baffling because they <laughs> they traded away uh, a bad player and got a better player and picks and money. 
I, I don't. None of this makes sense to me. We're granted. Sure am I a little? Cash. Am I a little biased because I hate Rajon Rondo more than almost anybody in the world? Yeah, probably a little <laughs> bit. But also, he's just not that good at basketball anymore. And Lou Williams still could possibly be kind of good at basketball. And I'm pretty sure that cash is just going to Lou Williams Entertainment. So it's good okay. for him, honestly. Like, yeah. good for him. We're super happy for him. But like the the one <laughs> the one pushback I will give on that is yes, this trade is stupid. I'm not going to justify the Clippers at all. But they they are probably banking on the fact that Rondo had a pretty big part in the Lakers title last year. Oh, 100. They are. Yeah, and no and I'm like, but what are you watching in Atlanta that's going to I mean, but then again, Rondo quits on a lot of teams, and so maybe yeah. maybe he'll turn it on and be fine. But but also, this is just like what what are we what are we doing with this locker room? Like, are you guys just oh you're, you're gosh, creating yeah. like th- this is the team that like in sports movies that is the villain team. And <laughs> yeah, it's Iceland. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. There you go. It's, it, well, no, it's worse than that because at least Iceland had the one dude that's like, let's go shake their hands. You know, like, but they. <laughs> There's nobody that's on the Zubach, Clippers. Man. Yeah, that's Zubac. Yeah. Okay, fine. Maybe maybe Zubac. <laughs> like, this is the ultimate villain team. That yeah. yeah, I just like. Gosh, I mean, I can't. Like, there has to be a point where you have to at least somewhat worry about that. And bringing in Rondo in that situation does not make any sense to me. I just I don't get it. Look, I understand it from the standpoint of their guard rotation is horrible. It is it's horrible. They need a point guard so badly. This is just not who I would. I mean, like this is you. You said you think that they're they're a hundred percent banking on playoff Rondo and like what he did for the Lakers last year uh, in in the bubble when he was a you know he was a legitimate like good NBA basketball player. He he hadn't been in the years. Leading up to that, he hasn't been this year. I find it unlikely that he that he will be again. They they are doing this deal because they need guard play and leadership, and they think they're going to get that from Rondo. And I I disagree. <laughs> I, yeah, also, Adam Sandler gift in in uh, in Uncut Gems. I disagree. I don't yeah. think that Rajon Rondo is the Kyle Lowry. Absolutely. Now, there's mm-hmm. no way they couldn't no, get Kyle Lowry. No so way. it's not like I'm holding that over their heads. But <clears throat> Kyle Lowry, yeah, absolutely. Rajon Rondo is not the leader that you think you're getting when you put him in a locker room with 10 of the other least likable players in the league. It's it's a bad... I texted Richard, and I will sanitize it because I said some ugly, <laughs> ugly things, but I'll sanitize it for the podcast, but just said that how long before Rajon Rondo says something angry to Paul George and Paul George has to take three games off to to cope with it? I mean, it's it's it's... it's it's like almost an inevitability to me. It's yeah, because that's the it's thing. A it's a bad. Like, it's a bad. Rondo mix, Rondo did that for the Lakers because he ha- he had the second best basketball player ever yelling at him to get it right. Yeah. And one, we've already seen Kawhi as a quiet leader, and we've seen that Paul George does not like people yelling at him. <laughs> so what? It's a bad. What you, it, yeah, he's a bad it, mix, man. Yeah. At least you got Marcus Morris in there to oh, settle things down. Yeah, I'm sure that'll help. Um, yeah, Patrick Beverly won't. He'll do great things. <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, you can talk me into they had to get rid of Lou Will because Lou Will is somebody that you just you just absolutely cannot trust in the playoffs. He's he is going to tank in the playoffs because he's and an expiring deal. So, he's a regular yeah. season player. So you can talk me into, hey, we got to figure out something with Lou Will and bring in a point guard who can actually run the show a little bit. Um, but to throw in the picks too when you're already really low on on future assets and whatnot, I mean. It's desperation time there to me, and 
do you guys feel like this move makes them the team to beat in the West? Because I don't. No. I don't think you, that it does at all. You would so. have been better off, in my opinion, going to get G- DJ Augustine or George Hill. Like, Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, again, George Hill's not really a point guard, but you could get better. It's better guard play out of George Hill. I, I, I agree. It's, boy. I'm great. just picturing a five-man lineup of Rondo, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Marcus Morris, which is maybe the five most insufferable people in the National Basketball Association, <laughs> uh, all on one team, potentially in one lineup. And uh, it just yeah. really solidifies the uh, the Clippers as the by far most hateable team in the in the NBA. Yeah, I'm super we, here for I it. said it earlier. No yeah, question. I said it earlier. All we're missing is Dwight Howard and Kyrie Irving, <laughs> and it would be it'd be awful. Yeah. So just really put it over the top. The yeah. real winner in this, of course, is is Magic City. So the big big <laughs> yeah, day good for, for them. them. Big yeah. day for those guys. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're going to have a good third quarter. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. I'm looking at our sheet here, and can it, like Kings Kings swapped Delon Wright for Corey Joseph. Boo. And two second round picks, or excuse me, King swap Corey Joseph for two second round picks and DeLon Wright. The only reason I bring this up is because on Woj's tweet, I think I sent you a screenshot of this. The first like three replies were Kings fans <laughs> with very excited. <laughs> memes that was me like a couple years ago, all, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just said, oh, the cycle of life. <laughs> like, because they're all so excited about this now. And in three games, they'll be like, oh, so this guy actually sucks. All right, well, what do we what do we do now? I mean, they didn't give up a lot to get it by any means, but still, like, not... I do think it sort of serves the point to prove that, that the Kings do not understand their place in the league still, um, despite... The Magic finally got it. Sacramento still, still kind of hanging on out there. They also brought in Terrence Davis for a second-round pick. I like that just from the fact that they have like two players on their entire roster that are actually wings. And now they got another guy who, who who's actually a wing. So I guess good for them. Um, I don't care about what the Warriors did. The Warriors got like a little bit of luxury tax relief. That's it. That's all that there really was to that trade. Am I missing any besides the, the three, the three West teams that, that uh, we want to talk the most about? I think, I think I hit them all. Uh, yeah, so let's talk, uh, let's talk what the Nuggets did. Aaron Gordon, and Gary Clark from the Magic to to Denver for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a 2025 first round pick. This is a we're not doing grades for all these things, but if we were, this is to me looking at all this. I'd I'd give the Heat an A plus just for all the things that they were able to do. But just as far as like one individual trade goes, the Nuggets crushed mm-hmm, this. Yeah. This is an A plus all the way to me. Wiser. Yeah, a, a few few notable things from this for me. One, I don't ever have to watch R.J. Hampton play basketball, which is really good for me because uh, I don't like watching him play basketball and because the, the Magic don't get televised. So that's that's really nice for me personally. Um, two, kind of a fun fact, uh, if every single Gary in the NBA was traded today. <laughs> so that's pretty fun. Gary Harris, Gary Clark, Gary Trent, the three Garys in the NBA all traded today, two of them for each other. Um, yeah, that – this is a great trade for Denver, and I'm terrified of Denver. Uh, I hate that we are in the same, uh, we being the Mavs, uh, I hate that we are in the same conference as Denver because they're they're very, very, very yeah. good uh, right now. Gary Harris is uh, fine. I, he's a serviceable rotation piece, but also next season, Gary Harris is going to make $4 million more than Aaron Gordon. 
that's which is insane. the craziest thing I've ever heard. Because you can't even you can't even give the magic the benefit of oh, maybe they were shedding salary to try to do some cool things. Like no, they took on money to get rid of Aaron Gordon, um, which doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Also, Gary Harris might be the best active player on the Magic right now. Do we have a? <laughs> is there a counterpoint to that? Maybe Terrence um, Ross, but not not by much. Yeah, yeah cool. Ross, the, argument, the argument Ross we're having is it's maybe Terrence today. Ross and yeah. it's maybe Gary Harris is the best active <laughs> yeah, player on yeah. your team right now. Yeah. That's so yeah. sad hey. and not good. Kim Birch would like a word, sir. I'm sure uh, he would, no. but I'm not answering that phone call. Um, <laughs> and RJ Hampton is I. We talked about him coming into the draft because we did obviously did a lot of draft stuff coming into this year. I don't think he's good at basketball, and I don't know that he'll ever be very good at basketball. Uh, and then, of course, the 2025 first from the Nuggets, which is going to be like the 29th pick that year. Congratulations, uh, Orlando. You, you did great. Um, yeah, I'm a little – look, I I do think they undersold. I think they over – How does what's the terminology I'm looking for here? I think they reached a little too hard on Aaron Gordon and tried to get – package of of players and picks that they were never going to get for Aaron Gordon and then ultimately just had to say all right give us this guy who for the lead, for the bulk of the lead up to last year's draft RJ Hampton was a sus, a, a, supposed to be a top 8 pick yeah. somewhere in there um and then he ended up dropping to into the 20s I, or I had him in the uh, mid 30s I think in my, in my sure. draft. Sure. I, I mean, Tobin and I both, I think, are higher on him than you are. But I, I agree with the, the sentiment of like he is, he is very raw. He is the definition of a prospect. So you're you're bringing in a guy, and that's the right place to, for him to go. He should be playing thirty minutes every night for for uh, Orlando. I mean, it's it's make it happen. You know, give him give him chance, give him reps. Let him let him figure it out. And if he sucks, he sucks. But let's let's let him figure it out. He's certainly not going to get those reps in Denver. Um, so you know they're getting a prospect and they get an early first or a late first round pick probably, in tw- and then that seems like a little bit low compared to some of the other deals that were made. So uh, I freaking I but the I would have done this deal. <laughs> I would have done this deal just to swap Gary Harris's contract for Aaron Gordon, <laughs> let alone what Aaron Gordon brings to the table for for Denver, which I think is is quite valuable. I do agree with the sentiment that that's out there today that like. We got to a place, NBA Twitter got to a place where we are overvaluing what Aaron Gordon actually brings to the table or who he actually is because we're all tantalized by what you think he can be. Well, it's because he's been on the trade block for four years in a row and it finally happened. So, like, that's, you know, that's a lot of it. Yeah. No, no question. No question. I, I mean, I, I I guess my point is I don't think that, that Aaron Gordon is the end all be all by any means, but he's the fourth option there. At mm-hmm. maybe at best, at worst, like he he maybe he's the fifth option on in some rotations that they're able to run out there. And to me, he kind of fits right into what Jeremy Grant provided for them. He's maybe a little bit worse defender, but he's also a little bigger and stronger. And so, I don't know. I I think this is this is just a great deal, and it really makes me angry as a Mavs fan that they were able to pull. Yeah, this it's off. it's hard to believe yeah. that so they like I on? you know you mentioned they were probably reaching and probably trying to get a little more than Aaron Gordon's worth. But you're telling me there mm-hmm. was nothing in between like them reaching and what they got. Like there wasn't any middle yeah. ground there. I, I would I would have to believe that they are high on on RJ Hampton at least on his his potential. Crazy. Whether they're well, right or wrong on that, I, I don't I don't know. But, but and here's the, the thing too, like if you're the Magic, you probably went to the Celtics hoping to get Marcus Smart in 
and that didn't happen. And so, mm-hmm. like, the Magic are in a weird spot of they've been needing this rebuild for probably three years now, maybe two for being nice. Yeah. And so, like, I think we're all kind of, like, happy that they finally did it, and it may not have been as good as it probably could have been, but... I think as a whole, if you look at their three deals as a whole, I think they came out pretty well. I think I think if you're looking at each deal individually, it doesn't yeah. look as good. But yeah. here's the thing: like RJ Hampton was not going to play; he was blocked. Like he was not going to play in Denver, mm-hmm. so that was yeah. a good move for them. But if you if you let him if you pair him with Cole Anthony and let him play 35 minutes a game, like who knows? Like you might you might have something because like right now with Fultz out, like just let him play and see what you got, and then at the very worst, just dump him or trade him next year. Yeah. You know, and if you're the Nuggets, like. You're losing a like Danny said. You're losing a salary that's actually more than the star player you brought in, and at worst, if he's you know horrible, washed, whatever, you're trading an eighteen million dollar contract next year. Yeah, as an expiring deal, and so the Nuggets. I mean, and, and we're not even talking about the fact that they ended up getting Javale McGee today too. Like, sure. you know, for yeah, it could help them a little. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he so fits like the they, Mason Plumley role that that they, I think needed uh, needed to fill. I mean, sure. I don't, I don't that they Javale McGee is like you know that yeah. much better than Isaiah Hardenstein, but like, whatever. I mean, like it's, you know, it's, it's still like they're, they're doing things to put themselves in a position that, you know, that I'm, I'm scared of them now. I was not scared of them before today. Um, yeah. but now knowing that Aaron Gordon is their fourth option. And if he is at, at all, what he used to, like what he can be, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. And you're talking about the fact that the jazz might come down to earth. The Suns are probably come down to earth a little bit. The Lakers are falling back. I mean, they may have just put themselves in a top three seat again, you know, yeah. if, if, if all things go the way it, sh- they, they, it, might, it looks. Yeah. I, lo- I love this deal for the Nuggets. It's a, it's a, that's an easy home run to me. I, yeah. I, I can't. I, I assume that what the Blazers offered was similar to what they ultimately gave up for Powell. You know, they, I assume that it's like they, they offered a package that's centered around Gary Trent and maybe a first round pick and, and the Magic preferred. RJ Hampton to that, um, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know, but, but I, I can see, I can, I guess I can see both sides of it. So instead they turned around, the Blazers did, and they flipped Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood to the Raptors for Norman Powell, who's been playing out of his mind lately. Uh, like I have always kind of liked Norman Powell and I, I think I texted you guys about a week ago and was like, hey, Norm Powell, that'd be a fun one for the Mavs, right? Like, he's pretty good. One of you replied and was like, dude, we can't get him. Like, and I was like, okay, that's, you guys are being, t-. and I went and looked, I was like, oh, you're right. Like, he's like putting up numbers, numbers, not like he's playing pretty good. He's he's doing real big things. Um, Tobin, I'm going to go to you first. What do you think on on this deal? Essentially, it comes down to Gary Trent for for uh, Norm Powell. Mm-hmm. It was me that said we can't get him because I, <laughs> okay. I, because I, I, since, you know, we have our buddies up at that's a rap podcast. I have, I have somehow I've ended up with a lot of t- Raptors feed in my yeah. Twitter and sure. he's been awesome this year. And he's one of those guys that kind of fills the, the needs that you don't see necessarily. He doesn't do things that are on the stat every night. Um, but like whenever I was looking at him, you know, before, and then you brought him up, I was like, oh, okay. And then I started looking at his numbers like, oh no. Like, and then the reports coming out that hit the teams calling about him were in the teens. And I was like, well, that, we're screwed. Like we don't have the assets. So we're we're going to talk about the mass in a second, but like we didn't have the assets for it. So, um, I think that Gordon would have been a better fit there. In the Blazers. And I think yeah. that the Blazers would be astronomically better with Gordon. Like almost that almost would have made even bigger impact than he does on the Nuggets. I think than he, he think he would have made a bigger impact on the Blazers, but 
I think that this is a, this is a good consolation, I guess. Like I, in the only thing I will say is that you you now are running a three guard lineup of Lillard, CJ, and Powell, and so that's kind of a smaller you know backcourt. But I mean, I don't know. Like maybe maybe it kind of gives you know some ease to McCollum and Lillard that they don't, they don't feel like they both score thirty points a night to stay afloat. You know. Mm-hmm. Wiser, what do you think on this one? I like this one a lot. This is one of those one of those trades that. Like I get it from from both of them. The Norman Powell is certainly more of a win now type of guy, and uh, the Raptors aren't exactly doing a ton of winning now. Uh, but the Blazers, sure. uh, Blazers super do, and Norman Powell is the type of guy that he, you're going to be happy with him on pretty much any team. Um, he's scoring 20 points a game, uh, which is on shooting 44 percent from three, which is just silly. Nobody nobody's going to be upset about that. Um, he is, is slated to make like $11 million next season, but it's a player option that you kind of have yeah. to assume that he's turned it he's down. Um, yeah. But yeah, in return, the uh, Raptors got Gary Trent Jr., who's a fun, young, shooting 40% from three, scoring 15 points a game. And he's only, uh, what is he, 22 years old. And so he's an exciting yeah. young player that uh, you – pair him with the things that you got going up there in, in Toronto and hopefully he's going to resign with you next year and not cost you an arm and a leg, maybe cost a little less than Norman Powell and uh, see, see what mm-hmm. he evolves into. And then Rodney Hood exists. Uh, like, I don't know. He's set to make yeah. kind of a lot of money next year, but this is, he's one of those like a James Johnson type guy that you have him assuming that you're going to trade him to try to match salaries in a trade. Uh, or yeah. maybe Rodney Hood comes back to life because he will occasionally show signs of, you know, this guy's a very good NBA player. Like, he's yeah. a really yeah, good shooter he, he, and a long defender. And then he right. has years like this year where he's played 38 games, is getting 20 minutes a night, and is scoring under five points. So, Right. This is his first year back from Achilles, yeah. too. And, and that's that's usually a two-year recovery, at least. So it's... You know, to being good again. I mean, you can come back and play ten months later, but you're typically not very good uh, unless you're Kevin Durant. Um, so that's you know, that's a tough thing. Um, yeah, like my initial reaction. This was another one that broke while I was I was I was playing ball, and I was furious at first. I'm like, really? All it's all he t- all it took. To- I thought for sure you'd at least have to throw in a first round pick to make that happen, given how he's been playing and whatnot. As I've gone through the day, I've kind of cooled on it a little bit as far as it being a like a game changer trade for Portland. I initially I was like, gosh, that's that is that really hurts Dallas. And now I kind of I look at their stat lines and I, I think about how they contribute to the team. And it's there's not a huge difference between Powell and and Gary Trent. He's actually smaller. Like that's what's funny is like I th- I think part of the reason you, you move Gary Trent is because kind of to your point, Tobin, it's really hard to run out a lineup out there that is Dame, CJ, and Gary Trent because it's just it's a pretty small lineup uh, to try to defend at least some of these these bigger teams. But Gary Trent's 6'5", and Powell's 6'3". But, and yet, I feel more confident about uh, Powell guarding bigger players than I do Gary Trent. I think Gary Trent's one of those guys that, like, he, he shows a lot of energy on defense, so you kind of think he's playing better defense than he actually is, you know, because he's pretty easy to move around. Norm Powell has got a better lower center of gravity, I guess, and and just plays a little bit stronger. So I like it, but, I mean, you know, you're bringing in a guy who's averaging 20 points a game and shooting 43% from three and sending out a guy who's averaging 
15 points a game and shooting 40% from three. So it's not the hugest upgrade of all time, I think. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. There, that, whole, that team depends entirely on how Dame is. So, you know. But this gives them a little bit of a of a bonus, maybe, and and a couple points per game that that they they need because they surely can't defend it. You also kind of so, wonder, yeah. like they so they've had Lillard and CJ as like the combo for however many years now, and like y- yes, obviously they're both very good, but they haven't been able to get over that hump. You almost wonder if like, hey, let's yeah. try out Norm. If he works out, he's a cheaper CJ McCollum, and maybe we can move on from CJ and try to invest in somebody that's going to get us over that hump because it doesn't seem like the Dame CJ combo is quite working. Yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's smart. Thing. I, I'm with you, Tobin, too. That that Aaron Gordon would have been real sexy yeah. there as well. So um, I'm kind of maybe I don't know. I don't know if, which I'm. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. It's if he ends up in Denver and not Portland, then we're I mean, it still hurts us. Um, Let's talk Mavs. Very, we were very, we were very frustrated in our group text. Uh, as we, I, you know, this is how it always goes with Dallas. It's, it's. Donnie has a little bit of Danny Ainge to him. Of I don't think necessarily I have to win the trade, but but I think there's a bit of I'm gonna pull something out of it. You you guys are gonna be blown away by this, and sometimes you want to just be like. Or you could just make a trade. That'd be fine. Like, you know, either way, that'd be cool. Just bring somebody in that can actually help this team. Um, I was, I was underwhelmed with with the day. We were kind of watching these names that I think we all three knew. We probably don't have the the assets. We know we don't have the asset for for Aaron Gordon. Maybe we don't have the assets for somebody like Evan Fournier or Norman Powell or, or whatever. The Depot thing is weird. I have to assume that part of that is just straight up. Every team knew he's going to Miami and you're going to have to deal with a lot of crap the rest of this season before he goes to Miami. So it may not be even worth bringing it in for, for nothing, you know, which mm-hmm. it essentially would have been for, for Dallas. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the Mavs swap out James Johnson and Wesson one for and a second-round pick for uh, J.J. Redick. And Nicole Melli, who is the worst player in the NBA <laughs> by my estimation. So, I uh, let's go with you, you first, Tobin. We won't spend too long on this, but but let's talk. Uh, let's talk our beloved Dallas Mavericks. What did you think about uh, this move? And if you want the day in general, I think my frustration is not that I'm I'm not stupid. Like I know that they're not going to be able to get guys like Aaron Gordon or you know even Norman Powell. Whenever that half the league is bidding on him, it was yeah. more of it's kind of like well, with the Barnes trade exception a couple of years ago. It's like if you have James Johnson's fifteen million dollar contract and he's clearly not staying here, like he's like he's he's being kept away from the team for a reason. Just use the freaking contract. Like that's that's my thing. Is like and and he did. It took to the last thirty seconds of the day, you know, the deadline, and he used the contract, and that's up. That's great. You know, like whatever. It's still like JJ Redick is a better fit than what James Johnson was giving and you use the contract. So great. Thank you. That's what I was waiting for. You could have maybe done it at nine o'clock. So I didn't freak out all day long, but you know, (laughs) um, but that's, that's where Donnie kind of, I think tries to get cute with some stuff is like, you know, we, we were yelling for months of you better use that Barnes, you know, exception, whatever it was a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's always the thing is like, don't like Courtney Lee. Don't hold on to Courtney Lee. Like, why are we holding on to Courtney Lee for him to sit mm-hmm. here and do nothing? Yeah. You know, like that, that was last year was like, why are we not trading Courtney Lee? Like, like even if it's just for, 
you know, a back in rotation player, it's still better than what Courtney Lee's giving us. And so right. that was my only frustration about today. And they ended up with a nice deal. Um, you know, I was more angry at first uh, because I just didn't understand why we were giving up three pieces for it. But then I, in the, I think I was just more mad about other things. And I was also nervous about my COVID vaccine because I don't <laughs> like shots. So, <laughs> you know, that's it. That was more of my, in my, I was just having, an, I was having an anxiety day. Today was a very anxious day for, sure. for me and in general. And so, uh, but I think JJ is a good fit in the sense of you, you basically gave up, you know, your one expiring deal for him. So, yeah. I mean, they need shooting. It's that's been apparent this year. I Seth Curry has become wildly overrated by Mavs fans just based on he's not there hitting shots, uh, and Josh Richardson is is not has not met expectations for 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 some. I I talk to you guys. I think every single time the Mavs play about how I'm not nearly as out on Josh Richardson as Mavs fans at large seem to be, uh, but. Regardless, especially early in the season when the Mavs just could not buy a bucket and Seth Curry was shooting 89% from three in Philly, it, it, it certainly brought home that it'd sure be cool if we had somebody out here who could hit an open shot because Luka does a real good job of getting people open all of the time and nobody can, can cash a three. Bringing him in will help uh, some of that. He, he, can, you know, he can serve a role. And they weren't giving up, like you said, Tobin. They didn't really give anything up. I, I wish that they would have figured out a way to use James Johnson more because I, I on paper, I still think he fits a need and, and serves a role, but he just didn't And if really we play the Clippers in the playoffs, it would be nice to have him yeah. against Marcus Morris. Like, like there was that one game where someone, I forget who it was, someone went after Luka and he he was the first one to pop up and get in yeah. his face. Mm-hmm. That, I w- that I wish we would use more, but like, I mean, yeah. whatever. It's It's still fine. Yeah. I think there were some attitude things there as well. Sure. If we're being, if we're being honest. So I think that was that may have been may have been part of it. Um JJ will help. My my issue with JJ, and I'll throw it to you, Wiser. I don't know, I don't know if you have any thoughts uh on, on the Mavs as a whole. My I like JJ Reddick. He's a great shooter. He's he's going to help this team. Um he's not having a good season at all, but his numbers are coming up. And last year, last year he averaged fifteen points a game and, and shot forty five percent from three. So we, you put somebody like that on a team with with Luka Doncic, and guess what? His percentages are going to go up pretty significantly. I would I would hazard to guess. My issue with JJ, not just this season, but but always, as far as a fit with the Mavs, is I like a shooter like Tim Hardaway Jr. or Seth Curry more than I like a shooter like JJ Redick or uh, Kyle Korver or whoever, because you have to run action for JJ. To utilize him, um, you ha- if you're gonna have JJ Redick on your team, you're gonna spend a good chunk of of the game running multiple screens and having him run around all over the court and and trying to feed him for for those little curl threes and stuff. And that's all well and good. That's never really been a part of the Mavs offense. They did it a little bit with Peja the the year that, that we won the title and, and had him, but but even Peja I think was better at finding a space within the flow of the offense and just settling in to, to hit shots. That's what Seth did. That's what Tim Hardaway Jr. does, I think, pretty pretty well for the most part. Find a spot, and, and Luca will get you the ball. If this offense turns into JJ's in the game, so we better run 14 screens to get him open, that gets a little bit – that gets old fast, and I think it kind of takes other guys out of the flow of, of, of their offense. So 
Um, but I did send you guys a, a tweet. Somebody put out a stat that, that JJ, even this year when he's shooting poorly, is shooting 82% on catch and shoot threes when he's open. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, we'll see what happens. Wiser, what do you think about uh, the JJ trade and, and Mavs at large? Uh, there's no downside to this trade. Uh, I mean, we weren't using mm-hmm. James Johnson. We weren't using Wessel Wundu. That second-round pick that we gave up is going to be a late, sec- a mid-to-late second-round pick that we were going to draft a player that wasn't gonna, we weren't going to use. And so there, we gave up essentially nothing for mm-hmm. uh, an expiring contract. So if J.J. doesn't work out, oh, well, like that's fine. No harm, no foul. Um, if he does work out, he comes off the bench. He plays 20, 20 uh, minutes a game. Uh and hit some threes for us. That's great. Um, I obviously he you you said he wasn't doing super great in New Orleans, but that's because there's nobody to feed him the ball in New Orleans. He, they yeah. have essentially right. no no playmaking uh, and no concept of space and spacing uh, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like worst case scenario. Uh, you have J.J. Redick out there. They understand they have to stick a defender on him like glue because you give him six inches yeah. of space, he hits a three. That's one less person that can either switch on to Luca or crash down on Luca as he mm-hmm. drives, as he's want to do. Uh, and so he right. he's a great fit here. Um, it makes uh, a ton of sense. Um, and it removed two guys who are getting in the way of Tyler Bay's minutes. Uh, so that's a win-win. <laughs> that's the real it's strategy. A win-win as far as I'm concerned, because maybe this paves the way for Tyler Bay to get in the freaking game. Rick, put yeah. him in the game. Rick, I'm tired of this. Um, but no, I, I, it, is this the like earth-shattering, game-changing trade that I think a lot of us were secretly hoping for, but not putting out in the world? No, um, and that's. <laughs> right. That's fine, um, but like this certainly does not make us worse, and has the potential to make us a little mm-hmm. bit better and give us another shooter, which we always need. So, I, yeah, I'm sure. fine with it. Not, I'm not. And super that's excited, that's but. what. Yeah, but that's what Mass Twitter has got to realize is that you guys need to take a chill pill because like we didn't have the assets to make those trades. Like, yeah, Fournier went for two second round picks. We could have done that, but we didn't have the seventeen million dollars in trade exception. So, like, right. you right. know, like that just you know, like y'all had to come in with different expectations that like, there was too much of this. Why are we not doing anything? And I was like, yeah, I mean like I understand not doing anything, but, but getting mad because this, the nuggets got Gordon right. who we couldn't afford. And the yeah. Celtics got Fournier who we couldn't afford. Like y'all need to chill out a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's all kinds of things that we can gripe about with, with Dallas. And I'm, I'm, we do that off the air and I'm, I'm always willing to do that. I'm, I'm fine with, with, uh, that. there's plenty of things that are legitimate, criticisms i'm not sure that one what i will say is they've they have firmly planted a target on their back for this offseason the way that that not just with this move by any means or or the roster construction through the course of this season but with the roster construction over the course of the last like three seasons four seasons this is this is uh this offseason now is something better happened i i think fairly this offseason if they if they come away empty we can say, guys, y'all are botching this. Like you've you've ruined it, a real opportunity, and you better hope that it doesn't ultimately uh, ultimately cost us Luca because they've there's a little bit of keep the powder dry with this the way that they handled the trade deadline today. I think, and that's okay. I'm all right with it, but it 
it further it makes again it makes the summer even more important than uh, than it already was. I'm just yeah. glad we didn't trade for Harrison Barnes. Like you, you guys were trying to talk me into for like a week, and I've <laughs> just progressively more and more angry every time Harrison Barnes was mentioned uh, by one of you. And so off the air, that that didn't happen. We went through this weird like three week period in our our group chat where we were. Uh, I pitched the idea of of Harrison. <laughs> this was weeks ago. I pitched the idea of Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. To Dallas, I think it was during the like six game losing streak when yeah. I was at my worst, you know. But it doesn't matter. I pitched this idea of like, okay, look, they trade for Buddy Heald, and then they were like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and get Harry B too, because if you're going to bring in uh, Heald, then that messes up your cap space for next summer, and so you might as well go ahead and get another legitimate, good, decent NBA player in there, and we'll do that. And you guys both were not happy with that, and we went round and round with it over and over and over again, and then. It's continued to come up over the last like month, and then earlier this week, what <laughs> you guys were like, "Here's what I do with Harry B and, and Buddy Hield and throwing out all these trades," and I was like, "Nope, wouldn't do it." No, and just like poo pooing all of it. I'm the one that started all this, and then and then I'm the one that's out. So eh, what are you gonna do? Um, I'm a fickle man when it comes to uh, to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, okay, look, this has been fun, and we've been here forever. Let's skip off some of this, but we we have to talk about Kyle Lowry. So, weird no trades. I would put Harrison Barnes in that. Sacramento should I, I think there was a market for Harrison Barnes. I'm not sure that it's ever going to be as hot as it was this year. I really think there were teams out there that were calling on Harrison Barnes, and Sacramento was, was asking too much. Um, I think they should have made the move. You can make a case that Markkanen or Lonzo Ball, some of these other guys, John Collins, maybe. I don't think that's a that's a worse case. But you can make a case for some of this stuff. The Kyle Lowry thing is weird. Um, just, he's 36. They're done. Like, they're not, like, best case scenario, even in the East, is, is they win the play-in tournament and get into the playoffs. I mean, they're playing in freaking Tampa Bay. I mean, it's it's a bad, it's a bad deal. And there was... Every sign was pointing towards he's getting traded today. Like, even last night, they had, like, full-on, like, farewell tour stuff for him. Drake's calling him during the press conference and stuff. And in the end of the day, they hang, they hang on to him. So he's still with the Raptors for the rest of the season. Tobin, what did you do? I don't know. What, what are we doing here? What do you think about this? It's two things. Um, the... The deal that they asked Philly for was too 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 rich. Like obviously, like Agreed. Philly Philly's smart for not doing that. Um, but the the deal that was reported from the from the Lakers was Contavious Caldwell Pope and Dennis Schroeder for for him. And I don't blame him for not taking that. I mean, you're asking you're asking them to take on two more years of KCP's contract for a player who is not going to leave unless you were just set on where we want to make sure Kyle goes to the Lakers, you know? And even mm-hmm. then I'm not sure I would have done that. The, the, the part that concerns me from the, so like, anyway, for the Raptors, I'm like, whatever, like if you want to keep Lowry and have him finish out this year and then give him like the farewell tour throughout for the rest of the year, more power to you. Because like, if, if you're basically saying, I don't want Schroeder, you know, I don't, I don't care about the expiring deal of Schroeder. And then, I'm not going to resign him, but then also I have to pay KCP. No, I'm not going to do that. But if if it's true that they were waiting for Talon Horton Tucker, um, and the Lakers said no, like mm-hmm. the Lakers are idiots. Like that 
that's stupid. Like if you if Talon Horton Tucker is the thing that stopped you from having Kyle Lowry, you are stupid. Like especially because we just talked about you're about to go through six weeks of no LeBron and two more weeks, at least two more weeks of no AD. Kyle Lowry could have kept your boat afloat during these next few weeks by what he does, like mm-hmm. just alone. And you're talking about a like the, the, I think the Lakers don't want to admit that they are more win now. Their window is is more now than they sure. realize. Yeah, I and agree so with that. like, if so, as a Raptors person, I'm like, whatever. Like, you know, keep him. If you're if you're talking about taking a expiring deal and then KCP's contract, absolutely, you should have kept him. But mm-hmm. and, and I don't think they were willing to just trade into a random team either, which I can respect. Yes, that too. The, no, no question on that. It, it was Philly, Miami, Lakers. I think Dallas was probably in on that to some extent. I mean, there there were there were five six teams in the league that, yeah. that they were going to be willing to trade him to, and that's it. They were not just sending him to the uh, I don't know. I mean, the, a lot of people are putting them in the losers category, and I'm like, why? Like, it doesn't like I mean, like if if you want to have a rich, you know, if you want to have a high price for it, like that might be you know ill short sighted, but. Mm-hmm. Like what? It's not going to hurt you to keep him, and and if no one's willing to to give up what you know a first or whatever for him, then I don't see any reason why you can't keep him. So, yeah, I mean, it's just if he locks for nothing, you're that's tough. That's tough to lose him for nothing if if that's what happens in the off season. I I mean, I think I think if the trade was KCP and and Dennis Schroeder, I th- and I don't know if that's I don't know maybe that's total hearsay because because. Uh, Schroeder's pretty central to what the Lakers are, are trying to do, I, th- I think. I, maybe I'm, maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but I think they could have probably found another home for Schroeder. Like, they could have just made that a three-team deal and moved him somewhere to a contender for a first-round pick or something. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I might have done that deal if that's – it, it, assuming that, that Lowry was cool with it and was willing to go to the Lakers. But, that means but I also that- agree with you that, that the Lakers – if I, I'm pretty high on Talon Horton, Horton Tucker, that's a tough name to say real fast. Uh, I'm pretty high on THT. <laughs> that sounds worse. That sounds like I'm <laughs> doing a drug. Um, anyway, uh, it's late folks. Uh, Talon Horton, I think has, has something I'm, I, I like the guy, but I also am with you in that I would not have let that stand in my way of, of getting Kyle Lowry. But and, in, in to, for the Raptors, like you're saying you would have done the Schroeder KCP deal, but that means that you're for the next two years, you're paying KCP 13 million and 14 million. It was just tradable. Fine. But like, yeah. like I just, I don't know. I just like that's, that's my whole thing is like, if you're not taking any money back in that deal and you're getting a first round pick, it's one thing, but if you're not getting any picks and you're having to take on a contract, I I'm fr- perfectly fine with the Raptors keeping them. Like, I just think the Raptors are in a really precarious position. Yes. More so than I would have thought so, thought it would be like, even like, certainly the beginning of the season. Uh, it's, the Siakam thing is weird, and we're going to have to get into that at some point, because that is not done. Like, there's no more that's going to come come with that. So th- we'll have an opportunity to talk about that in the future, I'm sure. But it, they're just in, they're in a really, really weird spot, and they don't have a ton of future assets to go with it. I'm not saying that they, they need to, to tear it down or anything like that, but, but the, I think they're closer to needing to do that than, than maybe they're willing to admit at this point. And, but at the same time, you just gave Fred Van Vliet a big contract, which he deserved. And I think was a good signing. And you gave OG and a, a big contract, which I, again, I love OG and 
I think that that was that was well worth the money and whatnot. But but you're getting into a weird spot where you're you have the have the right role players, but you don't have the guy to be the guy on the team. And if you're also not having, if you also don't have a ton of of assets to work on acquiring that, I don't know. You're just you're you're kind of in a you're in a, you're in a precarious position. Um, so I don't know. I I think I think KCP for two years at like 13 mil a season is not that big of a deal and actually might even help you if you're trying to acquire the next, if you're trying to do a Kawhi Leonard type deal, that, that contract might actually help you. So I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying and I'm not, you know, you're, you're probably closer to right than I am, but I, I'm not, I think I would have made a deal happen today one way or the other for, for Kyle Lowry. That's, that's probably where I would have had ended things. Wiser, I'm sorry. We've been going on forever and I know we want to get gone. Do you have any thoughts on, on Kyle Lowry? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a very awkward, like you give someone a hug and say goodbye and then you go to leave and you walk off in the same direction type situation. Yes. Cause totally, it's been, it's totally, been sort yeah. of a farewell mm-hmm. emotional send off <laughs> tour for the last week or so. And so I might've just traded yeah. him for to avoid the awkwardness alone. Um, but, but like, yeah, it's just, you feel bad for the emotional whiplash for a guy like Kyle Lowry who doesn't deserve it. Uh, and so you, that's a weird situation, but I, just, I can't get over the fact, like if Taylor Horton Tucker was the reason that that trade didn't happen, that doesn't make any sense to me. Cause I, I, mm-hmm. I, he's another dude. I'm not convinced he's a very good basketball player. Like he doesn't really shoot. Um, he's too short to defend bigs and like, it's a cool party trick that he can tie his shoes while standing up straight. Like that's very neat that he can do that. And like, that's great. But does that make him a good modern day basketball player? No, not right. He doesn't really play that much for the Lakers. And when he does, he doesn't shoot the ball well. He doesn't rebound well. He doesn't pass the ball really ever. He doesn't block shots. And so I just I don't I am shocked that that would be the reason that <laughs> that that mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Lowry deal doesn't happen so much so that I I kind of don't believe that that's the case. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that too. Like it, it when I heard that it was like, is this kind of like when Miami wouldn't trade Tyler Hero for James Harden because they didn't want James Harden mm-hmm. and they just wanted a nice excuse for that? Because that's kind of what it feels like. It it feels like this is not how the Lakers operate at all, and it's certainly not how LeBron operates. But would it be the worst idea if the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis locked up long term just kind of said, if it happens, it happens, but we're not going to we're not going to force the action this year because we know we'll be back next year. I mean, I kind of can't say that that's the worst idea in the world. And maybe the idea of uh, paying Kyle Lowry, I don't know. I, it, it's, it is what it is, but I, I'm kind of with you that, that, that seemed like a, a bit of a, an odd explainer of like, no, we can't trade. Well, this maybe guy. they think that they can get him for a cheap deal next year too. Could I mean, be, you know, could be that as well. Could be that as well. You're right though, Tobin, like their window is a lot shorter than, than what, uh, or a lot smaller than, than maybe what they would like to acknowledge. But I don't think it's going to, cl- it's not closing next no, year. It's you not, know? no, or, absolutely not. Or, or whatever. So we'll see. All right. We'll talk buyout stuff next week. By then we will have some actual buyout guys out there besides Aldrich who by, by all accounts is, is headed to Miami. Um, well, we've been here for, for several hours, so let's, uh, let's get out of here. Uh, Danny, thanks so much for being here. Where can our listeners find you if they are not somebody who is already within the Venn diagram <laughs> of Mad About Movies, Spread the Floor, and, and Ranking? Yeah, uh, don't, don't bother finding my personal social media stuff because I'm boring on there, but you check us out, uh, <laughs> listen to Rankings, uh, make a show with my uh, mortal enemy slash buddy Ty, uh, where we rank stuff, and Brian and Tobin are on it a lot, and it's fun. 
Good show, man. Uh, I really enjoy. I really genuinely enjoy listening to rankings. Uh, I did have a rage stroke when Ty was talking about Justice League, but that's fine. That's oh, fine. It's me a- too, dude. <laughs> he said that. I, he said that Jared Leto's Joker was fine. I'm not yeah, doing. He this was kind of Sorry. into it. Yeah, he's kind of into it. Uh, check out rankings on all your podcast players. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to Spread the Floor. If you like what you heard, again, thank you. Uh, tell a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve out a little space in this very cramped podcast market. And leave us a five-star rating, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random jersey that you have owned in the past or currently own. We like to read those out at the end of the show. We have a couple that we're going to read out next week and, and maybe the week after Tobin, but this week's already been 17 hours, so let's uh, let's move on. Let's get out of here. We'll be back next week with more hot NBA takes in your ears, and until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers. Rodney Rogers.